Podcast One. Hey everyone, we sometimes talk about some pretty heavy stuff with our guests and can touch on some sensitive topics such as mental health, suicide and depression. If any of these topics are distressing to you or if you know someone who might need some help, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome to Listen Able with Dylan Orcott and... Angus O'Loughlin is my G'day, voice. Brother. This is a podcast for absolutely anybody, disability or not, normalising disability through stories, through emotional, humorous connections, so people can understand what it's like to live or be associated with somebody that has a disability. Now, we should also point out if you're listening to this in the podcast, which is what this show is designed to be, uh, and maybe you're hard of hearing, uh, you've got a hearing aid, you're hearing impaired, we are also releasing this as a video form. So we're looking at the cameras and waving to them right now because uh, we'll have this on YouTube as well. So with, uh, with, with, with captions, with closed captions. Yeah. So it's available for everybody with disability. And you know what? That's why I love um, this podcast because it's not about interviewing famous disabled people that you know. It's just about talking about anybody who has a story that wants to share their story to try and help break down some stigmas and barriers, but also normalize disability for a lot of people. And our guest today is someone that I met a few years ago. I run a music festival called Ability Fest, and we opened up to have volunteers come on the day. Uh, We had about 500 people volunteer, and only two of them had a disability that volunteered. And those two got a job. Uh, they worked for free and they actually worked on the grounds, showing people around, you know, talking to the artists, liaising. And one of them was a gentleman called Oliver Hunter. Now, Ollie came up to me, he's a bit of a fan, <laughs> but he was also a bloody legend. And he was telling me that he loves normalizing disability through the media. In one particular, he is an aspiring comedian. And Angus, you met him and thought he'd be a great man to get on the show. Yeah, I met him at your event. Uh, once again, if you've heard this podcast before, it's the same event we've talked about a bunch of times. Remove the Barrier campaign. Which I was the MC for, and I got to meet Ollie in person. I thought he was amazing, and, and since chatting to him, we're like, this guy's got to be part of our podcast. And would you like to introduce yourself officially? Well, I'm Oliver Hunter, a.k.a. Ollie, as uh, Dill has already said. <laughs> I, I love, uh, love music festivals, love music. I'm an aspiring comedian, love sport, I've played sport go to sport. I love going out, uh, you know, to parties, socialising, love love the odd beer. So I like to, you know, get out there and do as much as I can and meet as many people as I can and hopefully uh, create some good opportunities for myself. And what is your disability? I have cerebral palsy. I was born with CP and I was diagnosed when I was about 18 months old. So where were you born, I? Officially, I was born in Mildura in Victoria. And I was, uh, yes, I was born a month premature. Uh, which at the time wasn't a big deal. And then when I was about 18 months old, as I said, I wasn't sort of sitting up properly, wasn't walking. Uh, and my parents went to the doctors and they said, and at the time, 23 years ago, mm-hmm. CP wasn't, you know, the most common. Especially in a country town. Yeah, well, that's it. And by that point, I, I think we'd moved to Aubrey, where I've grown up my, pretty much my whole life. Uh, and yeah, by that, and there was not a lot of research, knowledge about it. And um, we were just, mum and dad were just thrown in the deep end. We've operated from the D-bed. Ever since. Ever since. So people probably don't know what cerebral palsy is. Me included. Sorry, yeah, I didn't want yeah. to sound like... So, that's all right. I know a little bit about more about modern neuron disease. I was reading about yeah. this yeah. week, but cerebral palsy, So that's no why idea. we yeah. have Angus here as yeah. an everybody person who has to ask questions that you and I might already obviously know the answers to because we live in the world of disability. Yeah. So, And I believe I'm informed, so I think I'd be in a top percentile correct. of people who yeah, understand disability. Definitely. And um, here we are. I think, so CP is a neurological uh, disability, meaning it's a condition, so you can't catch it. 
I think people... Oh, thank God, because we were making out just before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, that's that's happened a couple of times. People are like, oh, how, can you get it? Is it genetic? And it's like, no, oh, it's all conditioned, neurological, uh, meaning at some point... Again, for someone that wants to be an advocate and a media personality, I don't know the science behind <laughs> it. But as far as I know, uh, at some point, a bit of oxygen to my brain was cut off and that has caused dark spot in my in my brain and then that's caused the, the CP. As I can't walk, uh, I use a wheelchair for the majority of my, my mobility. I can walk with some support in terms of like a rail or a walking frame. I can do it for physio, but in terms of functional day-to-day, it's all in the chair. So you've got full feeling in your leg as well? Yeah, it's all, it's all feeling. There is a little bit of less circulation, but in terms of feeling... I can feel everything. I broke my leg when I was about 14. I could definitely feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and also my hand-eye coordination can be affected. Uh, my vision is affected from that as well. I, don't, I wouldn't call myself vision impaired, but it is affected. Uh, and because it's all neuro, neurological, everything is affected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, people see me and say, you can't walk, is that it? But no, it's, it's everything. So some ways you can, that happens is if the umbilical cord is wrapped around the baby's throat, uh, and the oxygen's cut off. Sometimes that can cause cerebral okay. palsy, or if there's a complication in birth, or you know they don't know, and they probably don't find out till you're like 18 months yeah, because absolutely. you don't show signs of it. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I have a damaged spinal cord, right? So from everything below where my spinal cord is damaged, that is what is affected. So I'm a you know incomplete paraplegic, but pretty much complete. Um, however, with cerebral palsy, it kind of because it's I guess like a brain injury or yeah. something wrong with your brain. It affects kind of everything, yeah. doesn't it? Including yeah. for some people on different levels, like speech and things like that yeah. as well. And the thing I'm, I've count myself sort of lucky that my speech isn't genuinely affected. Um, Sometimes I wish it was affected. Yes. <laughs> don't worry. Some, my mum does as well. But uh, there are times where my brothers are like, shut up. We've had enough. Please stop talking. You've had too many beers. All right. So, but again, uh, again, there are different uh, levels. So I would consider myself sort of moderate. I've met a lot of people that their CP, they're in an electric wheelchair, you know, can't move their neck or they can barely do anything for themselves. Mm-hmm. i fairly independent. I can do a lot of things for myself and that I do count myself lucky for that, that I'm pretty able considering mm-hmm. the umbrella of cerebral palsy is someone who's nonverbal to someone yeah. who maybe has some slight difficulty yeah. in life and has been yeah. diagnosed. Well, one of the best examples I'd like you to touch on Ollie is, you know, when you see somebody in electric wheelchair angus who mm-hmm. might be spasming, maybe, um, frothing at the mouth, can't talk. And everybody goes up to them and is like, hello, how are you? Because they assume that person has an intellectual disability as well. They just have severe cerebral palsy and they are, Full-minded. Okay, so just physical. So they can't communicate. So they being talked to like a baby. But they can. So, wow. you know, it must be hard for those people. Yeah. Really. And by the way, even if someone does have an intellectual disability, don't talk to them sure, like that. Yeah. Like, they're a human being. I used to work in the field as well of support with a provider, and we focused on IDs and brain injuries. And, like, yes, they might be a bit slower in their speech or in their capability of, of what they understand, but... They're a person, like, first and foremost. Person, so talk to them like you'd talk to Angus or Dill because they're, you know, fully functioning intellectually. I used to always find that with the support staff or the, at the provider. I'd, I'd pull them up all the time. You talk to me like you would talk to your parents or your brother. Why are you talking to the uh, client like they're a, you know, four-year-old who um, can't speak for themselves? I met a young bloke the other day who's non-verbal, 22, electric wheelchair, cerebral palsy, creates video games wow. by go. typing via his mouth. 
but everyone thinks he can do it. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? So, what was life like growing up with cerebral palsy? What did you find immediately struggles as a as a young kid? It was definitely tough, but in the beginning, that's all I knew. I got my first wheelchair when I was probably four. Had my first operation when I was three. My one of my first memories of being a human on this earth was laying in a hospital bed with a broomstick plaster cast, which means I had a stick in between my legs to keep them sort of separated. And also because cerebral palsy, correct if I'm wrong, Ollie, but your brain, you say, so Angus, you and I would say straighten your arms, so we do, Mm -hmm. but cerebral palsy, the brain gets in the way and it spasms, so it can't. Is that right? So my actual term for my CP is spastic diplegia, which means my muscles are always tight. My length of my muscles is always short, even in my arms, especially in my legs. So one of my surgeries, like I said, was they lengthened my hamstrings. I actually got in there and cut my muscles to lengthen them. Um, And that actually caused some severe nerve damage. I had to shower in a shoe for 18 months after that. And for an eight-year-old, that's a lot to go through. Um, So that is is one memory that I always have that was pretty brutal. What kind of shoe was it? I was actually in a globe. A globe? I was going to guess globe. (laughs) Everyone One of the old like, skate shoes oh, yeah, from the 90s. Yeah, that's yeah. all I wanted as a shoe when I was about eight. Cool. So, and then I got it and then had to share in it, so I wrecked it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I was in a globe for, and, uh, and that was hard because you couldn't touch it. You just couldn't touch mm. You couldn't even look at it, really. Yeah. It just hurt. But I had a great family. I got three younger brothers, two great parents, great extended family, uncles, aunts, cousins, uh, and they were able to support. It was all hard for everyone. It was hard for them, mm. you know, when, especially when I was younger. They didn't know what to do, and it was kind of just get through it. So, yeah, I had a good time growing up, but there were some difficult stuff medically. And then when I hit school, I was always the only kid in, oh, a, yeah. in a wheelchair. Uh, I was the first one at primary school, first one at high school. They actually rebuilt part of my high school for me to That's uh, the second there. time I've heard that schools have adjusted to mm. individual students yeah. with disability, which is great to hear. They knew I was coming from when I was in grade four. So they had four years okay. to get ready for the construction side of things. They put a lift in. They put a massive ramp in. Oh. But as you said, it's for the individual student. But once it's in there, it's for everyone. Yeah. I was in the mainstream school with all the able-bodied and typically developed kids, and I just made friends with them. And and as I said, I had some really good friends that they just went, yeah, cool. There was obvious. There was some exclusion. With I remember I had one experience where everyone was getting invited to this this kid's birthday party. And he was a mate of mine, pretty good mate, I thought. Mm. I didn't get invited. And I was like, why haven't I been invited? So I just went up to him. I said, mate, why haven't I been invited to your party? I said, I thought we were good friends. All our other friends are getting invited. Even if we're, even if we're not best mates, all my other mates are there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I've got steps at my place. Huh. So I thought you wouldn't be able to come. I was like, well, there's 10 boys here. I think we can figure two steps out to your front door. Yeah. So I said, I'm coming to your party. I'll see you sad day. But once again, that's not him judging you on your no, friendship. Yeah. That's him just not understanding no, your disability. For sure. yeah. yeah, so that that's a little moment where you go, right. So I I think for me, I was always just trying to show that I'm just like you guys. I'm in class. Yeah. I have a teacher's aide. I remember I used to have someone, like a support officer there to help me write and stuff because my writing was always difficult. But they were just there as well. So they got to know the kids. Kids got to know them. And it was all fairly straightforward. Yeah. Did you get bullied at school? I was lucky enough to not get directly like attacked or targeted. Um, as I said, there were some exclusion, but not in terms of no one sort of targeted me directly and made fun of my disability. But there, there were a couple of moments where, where kids just, they just didn't understand. So they would say the odd thing. I think there was always one where it was like, 
because as I said, my disability is spastic diplegia. So spastic has yeah. been a word that has been used as a sort of derogatory term. So I, a couple of times I'd hear that or I was called that for a completely different reason. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, look, you can't really say that because I technically am a spastic. Yeah. Uh, so, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Are there terms you hear, you have heard, or you know of that do offend you when, when talking about your CP? So I don't love spastic. I don't love cripple. Mm-hmm. Um, some people I know own cripple and use it as a word that they sort of empower themselves. And like you said, you're in comedy. I'm sure that's all mostly self-deprecating. That yeah. would be something some comedians might use. And again, I, I've had to pull a couple people up and I said, look, I don't love that word. Mm-hmm. I understand that some people with disabilities do. Because I had a time where someone, a typically developed person said, oh, I know a guy who loves the word. He owns that word. I said, well, that's good for him. Yeah. But mm. I don't love that word. No two cases oh, the same. So, I don't like it either. Yeah. So I also don't love the word disabled. I would rather you say person with a disability because, again, it's that person first. Uh, again, I don't pull them up all the time. Yeah. But it is something like, let's go, if we could somehow move on from disabled first. So they should be person with a disability toilets. Yeah. Or accessible <laughs> toilets. Oh yeah, yeah that's toilets. actually a much better one. So disabled toilets has always been one. So like, if you've got a disabled toilet, call a plumber. But, you know what I mean? Yeah, good. So, Mate, save that for your stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we should point out, um, we're going to be lucky enough to have Ollie do a set of his, yeah. he said you're an aspiring comedian. Well, hopefully we can give you your biggest platform yet. That's We've got it. a bit of a surprise for you as well coming up. Cool. Um, after we learn a little bit about you and, and hear a, a, you know, a set of your comedy. High school was good for you, luckily. Yeah. How did you go when you finished school into the big wide world? Because... That's when it often gets tough for people with disability, isn't it? In terms of like yeah. employment and friendship and things like that. So I, again, I had all those those fears coming out of school. I got through school. I had a really tough time in high, in senior school, like uh, VCE or HSC if you're from a proper state like New South Wales. <laughs> um, I had surgeries in year 12. Uh, I had the surgery to straighten my toes. It didn't work, so I had to go again. Oh. I missed most of year 12. And that was just hard on me mentally and I think in all the stuff with disability especially with physical disabilities we all talk about physical stuff but I think mental health is a big big thing that sometimes is overlooked and I think at that time my mental health took a real dive and it was a bit of trauma there uh, but I got through that I think that's Wait, all, sorry to interrupt yeah. me. when you're lying in that hospital bed and all your mates are at school playing footy and going to class what are you thinking I figured out pretty young that I all you gotta do is think this will end this will be over, as in this experience of mm-hmm. the surgery and the recovery. So you just got to get th- through it. But in the moment, when you wake up and you're in agony and you're on painkillers, but you're still in pain, your legs are plastered up for the, the seventh time in your life and you're, you're 17 or and you're not even 18, mm. you do have that moment of like a why me sort of thing. But also that moves on pretty quick because you go, well, this is it. Let's have some custard and let's forget about pretty, it. Uh, pretty shit catering in Albury. Yeah. Well, I, was in, I was at the children's. I went, oh, to, God, I went to the Royal bad. Children's in Melbourne. So I was bad. there. My, met some great people through there, therapists, <laughs> all that. I think that's the thing. You just, I sort of trained myself pretty pretty quickly to go, this will be over. Yeah, and you'll be able to move on. But again, there was a lot of pain there that you just have to deal with. Chronic pain that, again, you, your mates who are playing footy have never seen before. One of the big mental health uh, things that I struggled with in high school was all my mates playing footy, cricket in the summer. I love sport, so I knew it, I knew all about the professional stuff, so mm. AFL, NRL. I love cricket, so I would watch all the test matches, all the one days. But all my mates would play junior footy, mm. and I I wouldn't play. I couldn't obviously couldn't play, 
And there were times where my mates would be like, oh, come watch, be an assistant coach. No, go, my one, goal umpire. Goal umpire. So be, Rack off. Being in Albury, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for para sport. I did play a lot, bit of basketball, um, and that got me to a, f- a fairly decent level as a junior. But that wasn't the same. I would have given that up in a second if I could run around and play, play footy with my mates. One thing that I love about you is you are a keen advocate to try and help people that are similar to you and I. Yeah. When did you look in the mirror and go, that's what I'm going to do? When I saw you first start to get your profile, start to go up and up with your tennis, but all separate to that, it was more that you were out there pushing that wheelbarrow of disability stuff. And I was like, well, we're very similar in terms of our personality and, you know, extroverted people. Mm -hmm. I, I can do that too. Again, you don't put too much pressure on yourself to be the man to do it, but you definitely have a a moment of responsibility to go. And it, when I was, this is when I was about 21, when I was 14, 15, 16, I was out there and social, but I didn't want to be the poster boy for anything. I just wanted to be a normal teenager. That's very nice. Thanks, brother. It's going to be yeah. A, yeah, an awkward question, but uh, you spoke about it then. But how much did Dylan mean to you in your early 20s coming up and seeing somebody similar? Can you break that down? I think, further? yeah. And I think another one is Kurt Fernley. I met, I met Kurt when I was at 15. That was a sort of initial moment where I was like, okay, here's a guy doing things. Maybe at some point I could do things, but at the time I was also very, I wasn't in denial about my disability. But when I, again, when I was at uni, I lucky enough went to university, moved away from home. I saw Dill really start to get moving with the tennis as well. And I thought, here's a, here's a guy doing it. I remember I was sitting in my uni com at my apartment. You, won, you came back and won the gold medal in the doubles at Rio. And I missed like two classes because <laughs> awesome. you went so long. I was like, fucking hurry up and win. So I want to go. I have to go. Was climb. it Wagner? Yeah. Me and Heath beat Wagner. Yeah, yeah Wagner. David Wagner. Yeah. My favourite uh, Paralympic tennis player. <laughs> so I remember sitting there and my roommates came out and and I was yelling. I was like, because I, again, love sport. I was just into it. And they go, what are you, what, it's nine o'clock at the morning. What are you yelling about? I was like, come on, you. So I had like six people around the TV. Going, look at this. They should have lost and still going. And I rock up to class two hours later and like, where you been? I was like, oh, I had more important things to <laughs> <laughs> So I think that was the initial hour. I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but it's got to involve this. It's got to involve being out there, being a personality, an advocate for people that can't be an advocate. I've got to do, do something. And it's not about what you do. It's more so about what you say. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you're in that moment, and I think that's why you're great and – so you've decided to go, all right, I want to do this. Why did you pick comedy as your route? When I first started stand-up, it had nothing to do with being a disability advocate because I was like, I don't want it to be a TED talk. Yeah, good, man. Like, okay. It's got to be jokes. So if that joke's about my disability, that's great. But if it's also about me getting bread at the shops, then that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'm not doing a TED talk. There's got to be punchlines. And I literally started stand-up because I was coming home from a night out at uni when I was about 20 blind drunk like i shouldn't say blind that's a bad word on this podcast no we, we figured out uh, we thanks for blind. asking they love it They're okay it. yeah all right, so we, we had can... ben on in episode two yeah. and he said it's all, yeah, it is all fine. good so i remember i was coming home i was in a cab saw a big poster for the wollongong comedy club and i thought oh, i love comedy I'll, I'll definitely go and watch some gigs as a punter and then i thought oh my mum says i'm funny like, i could <laughs> i might give us a go so I got home four in the morning, looked up Wollongong Comedy. Shout out to the Wollongong Comedy guys, Stu, who gave me my first gig. Nice. Um, and I said, I want to do comedy. How's it work? Open mic. What's the go? He goes, don't have an open mic, but come to the pro show and I'll squeeze you on. I was like, all right. Straight in. And he goes, here's three dates. Pick one. I picked the furthest one from the day I was emailing him because I, like, I need time. So six weeks. He goes, see you in six weeks. 
And that was four and a half years ago. Had yeah. that first set go. It went well enough for me to do a second set. So you're a confident man on stage. But i got to ask you, you know, there's parts of life that are tough having a disability, things like dating. Yeah. How do you go in that sphere? That has been difficult. Um, Probably the bit thing you most worry about. Yeah. I, me at, too. At the time, when I, sort of when I was mid-teens, that was something that was probably a bit of a subconscious worry. I thought, ah, you know, it'll it'll happen like any kid. If you meet a girl, you meet a girl. And then when I sort of hit, started to hit like 18, 19, go out, and you went, this could be an issue. Mm. Like this could be something. And I remember I sort of, and even until seven months ago, I used to think, ah, I don't really worry. I'll just do my thing. I'll travel. I'll be single. And then it sort of hit me. I had a bit of a bit of a breakdown. I was like, this actually meant a lot to me, trying to meet someone. And I couldn't do it. I had a few dates. Either they didn't go anywhere because we just didn't get on mm. as people. Yeah, but personalities. Also, but also there were a couple where it was like, this is a problem. I didn't know how to handle your disability. And again, it wasn't saying, I can't date you because you're in a wheelchair. But there were times where, and again, as someone, you don't want to come in on the first date and like spill your guts and be like, okay, so what are your problems with disability? Do you have anything uncomfortable about? <laughs> you wish they did. But... Yeah. All the tender convos, all the all the stuff like that, they would say, ah, oh, it doesn't bother me. And, and you, then, so you're open about it and you've got a photo oh, yeah. of you in a wheelchair I'm, on I'm your Tinder profile? I've got a photo of me and Dylan. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's his lead photo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. It is. Okay. And I've had, he uses me for Tinder. I've, I've, had, I've, had, a, I've had a few matches. I, had, I did get rid of it eventually because I had a few matches where girls would match with me and they go, I only match with it because you must know Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know Dylan. Uh, you, you've been killing it. You're the lead actor in the yeah. Remove the Barrier campaign, something that we, we yeah. did to try and help people with a disability get a job. Is it true that you referred yourself as the wheelchair Brad Pitt? Uh, look, that was what you referred to me as, but I'll, I'll claim it. Uh, okay. I, I, prefer, I prefer Cooper as in okay, Bradley. Bradley. Okay. Or We've F1. all got our tastes. Yeah, so... Um, last question. It's a bowl of uncomfortable. Yep. It kind of leads from your dating life. Um, we have people who tweet us, they Instagram DM uh, Dylan and I, and they ask us questions that they uh, don't feel yeah. comfortable asking you in person. And yeah. someone wanted to know, have you ever had sex? Yes, I have. The first time it was, as I think for a lot of people, it wasn't good. Okay. Uh, because and the build up, the nerves. And the- yeah. Because you're like, how am I, there is a moment where you're like, can I physically, I mean, it all worked yeah. down there. Great. Uh, which is awesome because if some people it doesn't work in that typical way so mm-hmm. I was like it all works that's awesome and that, that was well, at least you have an excuse sometimes I try and tell my girlfriend I'm like us not me um, and it was that first, especially that first even couple of times was was difficult and I think for me it's, um, there was a point there has been points where I've been on dates and I've kind of backed off as well because I've gone like I don't know how how I'll keep them interested yeah that is tough so you, got, have, you got other tools Ollie do you know what ladies love a guy with a sense of humour and up next, we're about to see, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're about to see a dramatic scene change. If you're listening to this on the podcast, what we're about to do is press stop. Uh, we're going to bring in an audience. We're going to have a spotlight on you. You're going to have your own one-man mic stand, and you're going to give us your best comedy performance to hopefully your biggest audience. Yeah, you up for it, Ollie? I hope and it's good. One of the secrets is... One of the people in the room is actually Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Just in case you didn't yeah, get that. Yeah, he's We try to get Husey, but he, he charges he's us. He's too tight. Here we go. Here's the dramatic change. <laughs> dramatic scene change has been happening. <laughs> we have got an audience in uh, the Podcast One studios for Ollie. You're on a little handheld there, mate. You're a bit nervous. How are you feeling? I'm pretty nervous. But Can I yeah. just say, I'm excited. 
Yeah. This is legit, bro. Yeah. And you have some of the biggest names in radio, oh, some big, big dogs, dogs in the room, all right? Yeah. So if this goes well, mm-hmm. you could take my job. And if it doesn't, I'm over. It's over. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you need to kick off or you just, you're just uh, right? You can just introduce me. Let's do it. Oh, all right. We are with Ollie Hunter, whose name of his comedy show is Sit Down uh, Comedy. Yeah, there there we go. That's yeah, that's it. It's original. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an awesome podcast, awesome studio. Uh, I love being anywhere that has an accessible toilet. Um, so good on you, because uh, it's a legal requirement. Uh, the ironic thing about a disabled toilet, only toilet big enough to run around in. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get in there, maybe do some star jumps, a bit of a, bit of a workout, go for it. Uh, actually, now piss off, guys, my toilet. All right, I hate it when people use it, guys. People use it for three reasons I've figured out in my life. And a lot of it's in the nightclub, in the bar, in the pub. So you go, I'll be knocking on the door. First reason, knocking on the door. And then a group of girls will just come out. All right? It's not a conference room, girls. <laughs> Piss off. All right? You, you can't go in there and talk about your trip to Europe and how you're going to find yourself. Uh, get out of my toilet. Second reason, and this is a new one, guys. I found this out the other week. A guy comes out and says, so sorry, bro. That one has better toilet paper. Who's shitting in nightclub toilets? <laughs> like what, at what low point in your life have you got to that's like, it's 2 a.m., well, it's still shit. Uh, <laughs> third reason, guys, you're in the nightclub, you're in the bar, you met a girl or a guy, and you thought, I can't wait till I get home, we can't wait. Got to go on the toilet, bit of sexy time. And I'm fine with that. That is the one I'm fine with. Okay. But all I ask is, can I be involved? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold the camera. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to be involved and be part of something. Uh, and it is, it's a weird one. They use the toilet. But people get weird with disability stuff. And I, I guess I understand why, but also there are times where I'm like, why is this a problem? Um, like I get apologised to a lot. And I was in the shops the other day and a woman just comes and taps me on the shoulder and goes, I'm so sorry for what's happened to you. I'm so sorry for what you've been through. I'm so sorry for what's happened to you. It's like, what? my life's great. Like, you're the one wearing socks and thongs. <laughs> like, you should be apologising, all right? Like, commit to the shoe. That's all I'm saying. You've socked, now shoe. Right? But, yeah, I, I've been through a lot with disability. The other, I guess other people, other kids didn't go through. Like, I had a lot of surgeries growing up, and I had one actually recently last week. I had an investigation of the bladder, guys. Oh. In, investigation of the bladder. One I hadn't had before, and I was talking to the surgeon, and he said, look, we're going to put a camera in your bladder, we're going to have a look around, see what's going on there. I had, had some problems. All the surgeries I've had, guys, you would think I'd know a lot about the human body. Turns out that's not true. Uh, I sucked at biology. So I said, oh, where's you going in? Like, going in through the groin. He goes, oh, that's the heart. Huh. And he goes, we're going through the eye of the penis. Oh, Like, geez. I said, oh, we're having a local anaesthetic. He goes, no, 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 we're having a numbing gel. Oh. And we're putting a camera up there, catheter up there to drain it, and then after that we're going to check the pressure over here when you when you pee. And by the third pressure one, guys, not a lot of numbing. And he explained everything really well. And everything was very formal and very knowledgeable and he's a good surgeon. Uh, and then he comes in just as we were about to start. He goes, oh, I just want to check. Six of the first 95 is your birthday. Your name's Oliver Hunter. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, six of the first 95, that's my birthday. I feel like we have a connection. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when someone's about to stick a camera up your dick hole, a connection's not the word you want to be hearing. Uh, you just want to be not looking at each other. And then it's on a camera, so he's like, oh, do you want to watch? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but no, I have travelled a lot, which is, which is awesome. I was in America uh, a couple of years ago. A guy comes up to me in the pub, in the bar, 
and just says, oh, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? And I was like, oh, well, I've had 15 beers. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost a shoe. <laughs> and of course I know what he meant. I said, no, man, I've got, I got cerebral palsy. I was born with it. It's a condition. Nothing to get too stressed about. And he goes, oh, well, that's not so bad. Mm. Could have been worse. You could have been in a bike accident. I know guys that are in bike accidents. What I meant to do, ring them up and go, guys, you suffered the most. <laughs> like you've won. Congratulations. <laughs> One of my other favourites is I had a, and I'll finish on this, I had a girl come up to me in the, in the nightclub because I was um, I was killing her on the dance floor, just crushing it, being a weapon. Uh, <laughs> and she comes over and she goes, oh my God, I've always wanted to hook up with a guy in a wheelchair. I thought, make a wish foundation. I also make dreams come true. <laughs> That's it, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. Oh, Hunter. Thank you very much for being our latest guest on the podcast. Listen, Ava, we appreciate your time, mate. Well done. Thanks, guys. Well done. She's single, ladies. Yes, I am. There you go. Still laughing um, after sharing this studio with Ollie, an absolute superstar. And if you want to see the moment that we put the spotlight on him as a comedian with an audience, uh, make sure you head to our YouTube search, Listen Able, where, of course, if you're hard of hearing or hearing impaired, um, we're going to have closed captions there so you can read everything. I better hurry up and start my comedy show because I wanted to call it Sit Down Comedy and he's going to steal it. Very good. Hey, um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I've been disabled your whole life. Uh, I'm sure you use jokes as a way to deflect sometimes. Do you have any disabled jokes? Oh, people always come up to me and give me the usual, you know, wheelie good time, don't drink and drive, all that kind <laughs> of stuff. I remember someone once said to me, it's a bit harsh, but what's better than winning a Paralympic gold medal? An but Olympic gold medal? Being able to walk. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to laugh, everyone, in the you podcast You can laugh. Have That's the giggle. whole point. Look, Dylan's <laughs> laughing along. It's a joke. Yeah, um, <laughs> thank you once again to Ollie. And uh, we've got another episode for you up next where we're going to be chatting to Cherie, um, who is an amputee. But the thing is, the episode itself is going to focus around social media and trolls. Within 24 hours, it's like 9,000 retweets and 10% people being, ha-ha, this is funny. And then 90% being like, oh, yeah, I'd still f*** you because of she's got one leg and it'd be harder for her to get away. It's hard hitting. And of course, if uh, you listen to any of these podcasts and, and you find them difficult to listen to, of course, Lifeline is always there on 13, 11, 14. Yeah, exactly right. And if you know somebody living with disability or you've got a story that you want to share, please get in touch with us via our socials. I've got to say, Gus, I am humbled with the groundswell that we've had. Yeah, it's amazing. A lot of people getting in touch and I cannot wait to... To put their stories in your ears because it really is changing the lives of a lot of people, hopefully. Get in contact with us, like you said, via social. We've got a listenable Facebook page. You're at Dylan Orcott on Instagram. I'm at Angus underscore OL. And if you want to catch up with Ollie or maybe you're a promoter who needs a comedian for a gig, we'll put Ollie's details in our show notes so you can get in contact with him directly. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Listen Able was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull.